This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, August 6, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Anonymous speech, far from an insidious plot, is an American institution and one that ought to be preserved. I spoke last week with Robert McDonald, an associate professor of history at the U.S. Military Academy, about anonymous speech, past and present. A big part of the political debate that's going on right now in the United States is to what extent the public is entitled for the purposes essentially of some definition of accountability. uh, To what extent is the public really entitled to know who is paying for, who is supporting certain political messages? But of course, that question of anonymous speech in the United States goes back a very long time, even before the United States got started. No, that's absolutely right. I mean, you think about founders like Benjamin Franklin, uh, published as Poor Richard and Richard Saunders and Silence Do Good, um, using pseudonyms or just writing anonymously was extremely common, especially in political speech in the 18th century. You have Madison, Hamilton, John Jay writing as Publius, uh, the Federalist Papers, John Dickinson writing as a, a farmer from Pennsylvania. Um, The idea in the 18th century was if somebody attached one's name to political speech, perhaps in in, in addition to advancing the argument, maybe they were advancing themselves and that was considered unseemly and potentially dangerous. In the Enlightenment, the idea was that what mattered was the idea itself. Tom Paine wrote the, uh, the second edition to Common Sense with an acknowledgement that people had been questioning who in fact the author of this publication is, as he wrote. Um, and he said that it was wholly unnecessary to the public for the uh, thing that mattered was the view itself, the doctrine, and not the person who was behind it. And in recent arguments about what the meaning of the First Amendment is, especially within the Citizens United case, we have uh, the authors, or I should say Justice Kennedy, the author of that opinion, saying it's very clear, should be clear, that what is being protected here is speech and not uh, any individual speaker. Sure, absolutely. So, But you're making the claim that uh, the reasons why many of our founders and many people of that era were writing anonymously was to avoid being seen as advancing themselves Mm -hmm. or was there more danger associated with uh, attaching your name to certain opinions? I think think anonymity had multiple functions, but uh, certainly there was this this notion that anyone who was a demagogue, anyone who uh, was parroting or or putting forth uh, popular ideas may in fact not be sincerely attached to those ideas, but rather selfishly trying to advance oneself and one's own fortunes. And uh, Jefferson, for example, when he was young, uh, reflected that he thought about what he wanted to be um, essentially when he became older. And he asked himself, do I want to be a jockey? Do I want to be uh, a card player? Do I want to be an orator? Or do I want to be an honest advocate for my country's rights? Uh the, the notion of standing on a soapbox and uh, putting forth political views was regarded as at least unseemly. But in print, one could conceal one's identity and focus on the argument. And the argument got its authority not from the author, 
but rather from the reasonableness, the self-evidence, as the Declaration of Independence said, of the argument itself. Even in the uh, middle part of the 19th century, we had a lot of people publishing uh, newspapers that had articles that were had, had no attribution whatsoever. Sure. One sort of counterexample that you point out is Frederick Douglass, who not only wrote under his own name, he named a newspaper after himself. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Frederick Douglass's newspaper. Um, in a way, by, by inverting what had been the custom of uh, anonymous print, at least in the 18th century and the early 19th century, Frederick Douglass was refuting the notion that uh, a person of African descent wasn't capable um, of, of putting forth high-level ideas and making compelling arguments um, that were original and insightful. So uh, he was uh, a refutation of these unenlightened views. The authorship of the Declaration of Independence wasn't clear until years after it was written. Why is that? Well, when Thomas Jefferson penned or drafted the Declaration of Independence, he was 33 years old. Uh, he wasn't particularly famous. Um, he was well-known and well-regarded within the Continental Congress. But, uh, you know, what, what sort of authority would the identity of young Thomas Jefferson, this, this guy from Virginia, lend to a national proclamation of independence? Uh, Jefferson wasn't publicly identified as the author of the Declaration until the 1780s. Ezra Stiles, the uh, president of Yale College, gave uh, a sermon in which he noted that it was Thomas Jefferson of Virginia um, who poured the, uh, the, the soul of a continent into uh, his famous Declaration of Independency. That's the first published reference to Jefferson's authorship. And then in the uh, 1790s, of course, when Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton were engaged in their extended debate about the meaning of the Constitution and really about the meaning of America, Hamiltonian Federalists started to accuse Thomas Jefferson of being more French than American, of being un-American, and what better refutation for the Jeffersonian Republicans than to point out that Jefferson had in fact written the document that invented America. In a modern political context, the way this sort of debate over uh, anonymous speech, anonymous advocacy, direct advocacy for um, on behalf of candidates has unfolded, it is sort of the opposite of what you're talking about during the founding era. Today, the debate seems to center on not what the uh, substantive content of the ideas are. It is more about who is advancing these ideas and what interests do they have in those ideas. It seems to be the opposite of, of that era. Yeah, my personal opinion is that in a way, uh, we're kind of lazy nowadays. Uh, we we gauge the credibility of an argument by the person who's making it. And um, I think a lot of our political speech is frankly very much dumbed down. If, uh, if we didn't have people's names attached to it, if in fact people had to make arguments that um, stood on their own two feet um, and depended for their authority on their own logic, who knows, maybe our political speech, our public discourse would be a bit more elevated. Robert McDonald is an associate professor of history at the United States Military Academy. You can read more on anonymous speech at our website, cato.org.